you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Friday, December 4th, 2020. I'm Brian McCullough. Today... Another monumental crack across the land as Warner Brothers has maybe signaled the death of the business model Hollywood has relied on for a hundred years. Is Stripe signaling it wants to completely rewire the global monetary system? Have Chinese scientists achieved quantum supremacy? Would you be interested in deep sea tourism? And can I interest you in the weekend long read suggestions? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. All right, it's official. This is Hollywood's Napster moment. Not in the sense that suddenly piracy or something is bankrupting the industry, but in the very real sense of movies and TV are taking the leap and taking their business models digital. Warner Brothers announced that it will release every single movie on its 2021 slate simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max, at least in the U.S. The first-run films will stream there for one month before being taken down again for a period of time while still remaining in theaters, quoting Julia Alexander in The Verge. The plan is to run this experiment for one year. For people who don't have access to HBO Max in their market, it appears that theatrical releases will still be the go-to option. The movies Warner Brothers is planning to release for now include The Little Things, Judas and the Black Messiah, Tom and Jerry, Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, Those Who Wish Me Dead, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, In the Heights, Space Jam A New Legacy, The Suicide Squad, Reminiscence, Malignant, Dune, The Many Saints of Newark, King Richard, Cry Macho, and Matrix 4. These titles could change depending on delays. All films will be released on HBO Max in 4K Ultra HD and HDR. The movies will also likely help Warner Media reach an agreement with Roku after months of fighting over a deal. Warner Media is also offering a limited deal, making HBO Max 22% cheaper for people who sign up for six months. The $69.99 price works out to just under $12 a month instead of $15, end quote. So with this news, wither movie theaters? Over at Recode, Peter Kafka interviewed Warner Media CEO Jason Kalar, the dude who's actually pulled the trigger on this really earth-shattering decision, and Kalar said this. Kafka asked about Warners and their relationship with their movie theater partners, who one would imagine are maybe less than thrilled about this news, quote, Putting myself in the shoes of a theatrical distributor right now, one of the things I believe could be helpful to them and their business is a steady stream of new great movies. And that's what we're stepping up to do. Which, by the way, not everybody is stepping up to do. I think that has weighed very heavily on this decision. What can we do to serve a number of different constituents? First and most importantly, the fans, but also exhibitors and talent, directors, actors, storytellers, etc., and a host of other considerations. And we think a lot about exhibition because really, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, we are going to be in the exhibition business because consumer because customers want it, and it's a great experience. I do it a lot myself. With that in mind, where we net it out is that giving a steady stream of big-budget, great movies to movie theaters over the next 12 months can be very, very helpful to their business, end quote. 
Also, it would be very, very helpful to a company trying to launch a streaming service in a very crowded marketplace. In one fell swoop, HBO Max has gone from possibly also ran in the market to clearly a market leader. So normally this is the point where I would lay out for you the various angles of the story, the various takes and implications and context, but guess what? I spoke this morning with Peter Kafka about all of this, so much more about this monumental story on the Weekend Bonus episode coming out tomorrow afternoon. In its own way, this might be no less a monumental story in the end. Stripe yesterday launched a new product, Treasury, to allow its customers to offer checking accounts and other business banking services. Among the first partners to sign up to offer this, Shopify, beginning next year. This comes on top of news from earlier in the week that Stripe Capital, its business lending service, was also being extended to other online platforms, thereby allowing anyone to offer end-to-end lending APIs to provide customers with financing options. To understand why this is a big deal, we knew Stripe was the big unicorn in the payment space, but what is blowing a lot of people's minds is what Stripe seems to be signaling it wants to be, the biggest player in the money space, all of money full stop. Like with these two products, Stripe is basically planting its flag in a huge swath of the entire fintech space. There are literally dozens of startups who have raised money to be the Stripe but for X or Y, banking or lending or whatever. Now have they all been made redundant by Stripe? Ben Thompson, as is his wont, went deep on these announcements this week, and let's just say he's blown away. Quote, This broader understanding of Stripe's ambition became clear to me earlier this week with another announcement, Capital for Platforms. Stripe Capital itself is not new. Launched in 2019, the service lends money to businesses that use Stripe's payments processor. As the industry has become more digital, PayPal, Square, and even Amazon have introduced small business lending programs, as have a slew of startups including SoftBank Group-backed Cabbage and public company OnDeck Capital. Though lending poses risks, Stripe much like other payment services, says the extra data it has on customers will give it a better idea of whether borrowers can repay loans. The company believes that edge will protect it from significant losses during an economic downturn. Stripe Capital seems both obvious and, as the article notes, rather unoriginal. This week's expansion, which was announced with a 29-word blog post, makes it clear it is much more. Carefully read this tweet from founder and CEO Patrick Collison, quote, Mundane though it sounds, access to capital is the primary bottleneck that limits the growth and expansion of most small businesses. So we built Capital for Platforms. Help your customers grow faster by using our lending infrastructure, end quote. Note the word Patrick Collison emphasized, your. Capital for Platforms is not for Stripe's customers, but rather the customer of Stripe's customers, which is to say, Stripe is asserting itself as the platform of platforms. Go back to the news that Shopify Balance will be powered by Treasury. Stripe does not have a customer relationship with all of the shops on Shopify. That is exactly what Shopify is good at, so why would they? Instead, Stripe is focusing on what it is good at, providing that API layer to banks that will never have the capability to serve Shopify shops, and exposing said layer to Shopify to incorporate into their products. Stripe is 10 years old now, but the ambition implied by these announcements explains why the founders claim they are just getting started. The company is busy building, well, 
exactly what it is said it was building all along, economic infrastructure. And I will freely admit, until this week, I didn't completely appreciate just how mammoth an undertaking that was, end quote. Yeah, when I talk to smart folks in VC, in tech, in the startup ecosystem lately, the two unicorns everyone is most excited about at the moment are Roblox in the gaming space, but also Stripe, and especially Stripe lately. Uber for transportation, Spotify for music, Shopify for non-Amazon commerce. All cool markets to try to own, but what if you could own money? Not by disrupting Wall Street, that's small stakes, but by fundamentally rewiring the global financial system itself. Chinese scientists are claiming quantum supremacy. That much ballyhooed yardstick that lets us know when traditional computing has been supplanted by quantum computing, the researchers claim they have a quantum system that calculated in mere minutes something that they said would take current state-of-the-art supercomputers two billion years to calculate. Quoting Wired, Last year, Google won international acclaim when its prototype quantum computer completed a calculation in minutes that its researchers estimated would have taken a supercomputer 10,000 years. That met the definition for quantum supremacy, the moment a quantum machine does something impractical for a conventional computer. Thursday, China's leading quantum research group made its own declaration of quantum supremacy in the journal Science. The two systems work differently. Google builds quantum circuits using supercold, superconducting metal, while the team at University of Science and Technology of China in Haifei recorded its results by manipulating photons, particles of light. No quantum computer is yet ready to do useful work, but the indications that two fundamentally different forms of the technology can outperform supercomputers will buoy the hopes and the investments of the embryonic industry. Google's experiment used a superconducting chip dubbed Sycamore with 54 qubits cooled to fractions of a degree above absolute zero. One qubit broke, but the remaining 53 were enough to demonstrate supremacy over conventional computers on a carefully chosen statistical problem. It's unclear just how many qubits are needed for quantum computers to do useful work, Expert estimates range from hundreds to millions. The Chinese team also used a statistical test to stake its claim of quantum superiority, but its quantum data carriers take the form of photons traveling through optical circuits laid out on a lab bench guided by mirrors. Each photon read out at the end of the process is equivalent to a qubit, revealing the result of a calculation. One difference between the Chinese system and Google's Sycamore is that the photonic prototype is not easily reprogrammable to run different calculations. Its settings were effectively hard-coded into its optical circuits. Christian Weedbrook, CEO and founder of Toronto quantum computing startup Xanadu, which is also working on photonic quantum computing, says the result is still notable as a reminder that there are multiple viable paths to making quantum number crunching work. Quote, it's a milestone in photonic quantum computing, he says, but also good for all of us, end quote. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. 
With constant contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. I use this, and you should, too. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee, so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance, so literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash techmeme. ZocDoc dot com slash techmeme. I'm all for space tourism. I'd for sure love to vacation on the moon someday if that were possible and practical. But I'd also be just as excited to go underseas for my tourism. That might be closer than you might think, as the submarine startup Triton has unveiled its latest submarine that can take six people 3,300 feet under the waves in a cool little bubble. Having conquered the deepest recesses of the ocean with its DSV limiting factor deep sea elevator and delivered its first 24-seat deep-view tourist submarine in Vietnam, Triton has turned its attention back to the luxury sector with a new six-person sub designed to launch from the garage of your mega-yacht. The 3306 is so named because it has achieved a certified depth rating of 3300 feet, or 1,000 meters, with the ability to carry six people in a surprisingly close facsimile of comfort. Triton achieves this with the use of the world's largest spherical acrylic pressure hull, a giant transparent bubble 2.5 meters, or 100 inches in diameter, at the center of the sub. Optically perfect and free from distortion, this bubble offers panoramic views for the front five seats, and a great opportunity to see some backs of the heads from the 6th, which is the least comfortable looking of the lot, and strangely enough, where the pilot sits. Triton will happily fit it out with just four seats if you want to give everyone a bit more legroom. It's air-conditioned, which is a must in submersibles, where the lack of fresh air tends to be very noticeable, and lunch menus need to be well-planned in advance of a group dive. You hop in and out via an access hatch behind the bubble using the pilot seat as a stepladder to add a touch of insult to the injury of getting the worst seat in the house. 
Whatever, it's hard to feel too sorry for anyone whose job is driving people around in luxury submarines, and to even the score up a bit, the pilot gets access to a very serious-looking battery of gauges and controls that'll look badass in selfies. It might be a long way down, but 3,300 feet is only about a third as deep as the wreck of the Titanic. Still, it's far farther down than you can go with scuba gear. No less an authority than Wetsuit Warehouse tells us the record for the deepest scuba dive was set in 2014 at 1,009 feet, or 307.6 meters. It took this gent just 12 minutes to get that far down and 15 hours to come back up while safely decompressing. There will be no such issues in the pressurized bubble of the 3306, which carries enough air and battery for 10-plus hour undersea excursions, end quote. Well, 10 hours... What about bathroom breaks? I don't see a toilet in any of these pictures. But if you're interested, many more technical details in the link to the piece in the show notes. Time for the Weekend Long Read suggestions, a handful of which tie in directly to what we've been talking about this week. This first one is a week old, so it's already outdated given the news of the last 24 hours. But the New York Times has a long piece up looking at how Never has so much upheaval arrived so quickly and on so many fronts as it has for Hollywood in the year of our Lord 2020. Quote, Leaving many writers, directors, studio executives, agents, and other movie workers disoriented and demoralized, wandering in complete darkness, as one longtime female producer told me. These are melodramatic people by nature, but talk to enough of them and you will get the strong sense that their fear is real this time. Have streaming, the coronavirus, and other challenges combined to blow away, finally, unequivocally, the last remnants of Hollywood. The last nine months have shaken the movie business to its bones, said Jason Blum, the powerhouse producer whose credits range from the Purge series to Black Klansmen, end quote. Next, the What Went Wrong newsletter on Substack interviewed other writers of newsletters on Substack to find out the realities of trying to make a living on Substack. Quote, Substack isn't exactly exploiting the labor of writers who should know the deal they are signing up for, but it's not a service that changes the bad math of freelance writing. There will always be an upper crust of pundit journalists who go on TV and bring in six figures for a Bradshaw-esque amount of work. What is lacking are the decent full-time jobs that constitute a normal career. For many people out here in the Substacker freelancer unwashed masses, a regular paycheck from journalism counts as a coveted prize. A substack, in other words, is a lottery ticket. But journalism has become an industry with too many lottery tickets, end quote. By the way, this is also something that Peter Kafka and I talk about at length on this weekend's bonus episode, so again, be on the lookout for that. Next, maybe Stripe will get to this eventually. The Wall Street Journal takes a look at the fintech startups wanting to sell you life insurance. Quote, until now, life insurance startups have largely collaborated with traditional carriers rather than competed with them. Many function as online agents to attract customers or used algorithms that draw on third-party databases to help insurers more speedily assess the risk of applicants and set their premiums. The moves by Besto and Day Forward signal that startups are confident now they can overcome the hurdles of low profitability and regulation that have kept them out of the life insurance carrier business in the past, end quote. A New York Times piece notes how things like AA and other 12-step substance and addiction recovery programs have moved online because of the pandemic, and they claim, for the most part, it has all worked out. Quote, Though online rehab rose as an emergency stopgap measure, 
People in the field say it is likely to become a permanent part of the way substance abuse is treated. Being able to find a meeting to log into 24-7 has welcome advantages for people who lack transportation, are ill, juggling parenting or work challenges that make in-person meetings tough on a given day and may help keep them more seamlessly connected to a support network. Online meetings can also be a good stepping stone for people just starting rehab. There are so many positives. People don't need to travel. It saves time, said Dr. Andrew Saxon, an addiction expert and professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the University of Washington School of Medicine. The potential for people who wouldn't have access to treatment easily to get it is a big bonus, end quote. And finally, my usual bit of tech history to share with you. How about an oral history of the hamburger icon from the folks who developed it? Quote, we started figuring out that there was a hierarchy of recognition. When someone looked at the screen, they would scan it for a particular shape and then hone in on details of that shape, much like seeing a diamond shape road sign before you see the symbol within it. We wanted to make sure you had a limited number of objects to search for. Every pixel mattered. There was no extraneous information, no decoration. Everything had a purpose. And those limitations meant we had to design something as elegant as it was simple. A timeless design style, end quote. As I say, the weekend bonus episode interview with Peter Kafka coming out tomorrow is super timely. We had scheduled it for yesterday, as you'll recall to talk about digital media in the year of COVID, the Substack stuff, the TikTok stuff, and podcasting stuff. And then the Warner Brothers news dropped right when we were scheduled to record, so we pushed it to this morning, and I'm glad we did. Deep dive on Hollywood's digital transformation coming at you tomorrow. Talk to you again on Monday.